Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Samuel. I'm Becca. And we get the absolute, she always gets the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we get the honor and privilege of lead pastor in here. We absolutely, absolutely love it. And we're in a series right now called Q&A. We're answering your questions. Uh, there should be a number up on the screen here, and those go actually right to my phone here. So if you have some questions, go ahead and send those in. And if we don't get to them today, you got to come back next week because we'll keep on going with it. And really what we want to do is take a moment and give you a chance to, hey, I haven't heard, I really have a question about this, and send those in, and we've been getting lots of them. So we're just going to take a few minutes, and we're going to go through these questions. It's just kind of a, a rule of thumb when it comes to these questions. Here's what, we, here's what we try to do. The first thing that we want to do is give you, if I can, a verse. Like, there's a verse for that. The Bible says, we want to give you this, what the Bible has to say about your question. And then the next thing that we look for is a biblical principle where maybe there's not an actual like verse that's word for word that answers that question for you, but there's a biblical principle that applies to it. And then third is our opinion. And that, again, is worth the price you paid to get in here. Um, <laughs> everybody has one. It's an opinion. You can take it. You can leave it. That's all that it is. Scripture is what we try to build our lives on. Opinions, again, are just opinions. And, you know, I was reminded um, when Samuel was uh, doing commun communion, um, to just remind people to keep your heart soft in this, it's, it's really easy when we have questions to go into a question already with, with a position or a thought in mind. And um, I know quite often, you know, when I come to the Word, I'm like, oh, I really want it to show me this. I really, really do. And I was um, reading through John 6 the other day, and it was talking about Jesus um, discussing communion with his followers. And it says that in verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who, who can listen to it? They said, this, is, this teaching is tough. And then in verse 66, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So I just want to encourage us as we are, um, as we're asking our questions and as we are doing our best to adhere to what the word says to, just stay soft to what the word, what the word might say about your question. Love it. Well, here, we're just going to jump into the first question, question, which is this. How do we get lost people into church? Thank you for asking that question, whoever that was. Love it. You want to start with that one? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I did. We had this one from last week. And so I, I just wrote, like, literally, I have four pages of notes, and the first page and a half is this question. How about we so, keep it to just a couple minutes? Okay, okay. There's other questions. I won't, I won't read verbatim, but, I mean, basically, we, church, Church is not this building. Church is what This is a school, every, in case you didn't know. Church is what every single one of, every single believer is when they choose to follow Jesus. That's what church is. This place is a place that you can come to be refreshed, to go out and be church. Um, verses that go with this. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. For we are, go are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Acts 20, 28. Um, uh, oh, that's a really long one. Um, <laughs> so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed the shepherd, God's flock. Feed and shepherd, God's flock. 
his church. We're not told to feed and shepherd a building. We're told to feed and shepherd his flock. Um, and then, you know, I think when it comes to practical, a practical answer to this, how do we get people to church? We ask them. Um, we were reading, a, I don't know, a quote like last week, and it said 47, there was a statistic that said 47% of people who are asked to attend church with a friend will go. So getting them here, that's one thing. But you have to remember, our goal isn't to get people to church. It's not. Our goal is to introduce people to the living and breathing life of Jesus Christ. And there are people in your lives that will never step foot in this building. But they are very open to the love of Christ in the way you interact with them. Um, yeah, I can't find my other words. So whatever. I think you those are say. great. Okay. That was great. All right, we're going to go on to the next question, which is this. What are the spiritual gifts that we can acquire and why do we not want to ignore them? All right. Well, listen, there are scriptures for us. I'm going to read a few here. We start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's talking about spiritual gifts, and this is what it says. It said there are diverse gifts. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says there are diverse gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but there's the same God who works all in all. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. So this means that this, is, this applies to you. It's given to each one of us. So this applies to you. But the manifestation is, uh, verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing from the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. And in the last part of verse 11, it says this, distributing to each one individually as he wills, talking about the Spirit. So this question, the question here was, is what are the spiritual gifts? That was a list. And then how can we acquire and why do we not want to ignore them? We all have one. You have at least one. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit distributes them to us. So you were given one of those. And now that, that acquire thing, how, how does that come in here when the Bible says that the Spirit is the one that divides up or distributes those? We're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed those to the church, first apostles. So this is, this is gifts that many people talk about when they think of spiritual gifts. But these are the gifts that are given to us by Christ, it says, okay, that God has appointed these in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, um, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, and a variety of tongues. And then it goes on, and in verse 31, it says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And as we look through here, we are to really desire to grow up in a way spiritually that we can work in different spiritual giftings. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 2.20 says it like this. It says, but in a great house, are there not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay? 
some for honor and some for dishonor. Verse 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And that's really our desire for you, is that every single one of you would be this, that you would be sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work that God has for you. But I love what it said in verse 21. It said, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself. And I believe that when it talks about that the the Spirit distributes these gifts, that if we're not ready for it, he will not distribute a gift to us that we cannot handle. Hebrews chapter 6 talks, and, and really in Hebrews chapter 6, it lists the six foundations of our faith. And then at the very end, it says this. Paul says, he says, we need to leave the elementary teachings of Christ behind. And then he says, in God permitting, we will do so. If we do not grow spiritually, we will not move into the other things that God has for us, and that we can actually grow spiritually and prepare ourselves or cleanse ourselves so that God can look at us and the spirits can say, I can give them more gifts or another gift or a stronger, we can grow in the giftings that God has for us. So when you say acquire, there's not a button that we push, so to speak. The Bible does say seek and you will find, ask and it will be given. Then the other side of that is preparing yourself, like the verse says where it says cleanse yourself so that you will be a vessel set apart and ready for every good work and that we can be that. And we, that's another way of saying what we say over and over, which is we want to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you, walking in every inch of the peace that he has and the power that he has for you guys. Sorry, that was a bit of like a, a, a kind of a deeper question there. And uh, let's go to the next well, one. Well, can I just add one thing Please. super quickly? So when it comes to the why do we not want to ignore it, I was at a, a conference this week, and it was, um, they were talking about the Holy Spirit. And one of the points that really stood out to me was they were talking about the disciples before the Holy Spirit fell on them, right? Because Jesus said, don't, don't go do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. And the disciples before the Holy Spirit came were scared. When Jesus was arrested, they were scattered and they were scared. They were, I mean, they were afraid. Peter, you know, was fidgety and uh, couldn't answer questions to a teenage girl that was asking about his association with Jesus. And then after the Holy Spirit fell on those same disciples, instead of being scattered in fear, they were scattered with the power of the Holy Spirit all over the region, preaching with power the name of Jesus. So you don't want to ignore the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for adding that. Number three, is there anything you can do if you feel like you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Is it unforgivable? Um, I like this one. I've seen some videos. Uh, maybe you've seen them too on YouTube. I have no idea why, but there's everything in the world is on there. And you get these people who just sit there and they video themselves and they go, I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay. Um, I don't think they know what they're doing. They don't know what it is, and there can be a lot of question around this. So let's just, we're going to go to the Bible, because there is a scripture for that. Matthew 12, 31 says this, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. So yes, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can be done. It is a sin, and there's no forgiveness for it. There isn't. Now, in Hebrews 6, is the other part of this verse. Not the other part of this verse, the other part of this, this subject. 
behind that verse that says, every sin can be forgiven, every blasphemy can be forgiven, except this one. And then in Hebrews 6, chapter 4, it says this, talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It says, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. So here, we know that there's one thing that the Bible says that there's not forgiveness for. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And then it says here in Hebrews, this is what it is impossible to come back from. And this question we got last week, I didn't get to it. So I had a few people that I, I had some time to ask some other pastors. Um, and of the three, two of them quoted uh, my Bible school teacher as, as when, I, when I asked this question. And really, to, to sum it up and to put, put a little bit of, of fear to rest for some of you would be this. If you are worried that you did it, you didn't. And, and here's why I would, here, here's, here's how that comes into context. The person that has experienced, that has been enlightened, experienced the good things of heaven, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted of the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and then turns their back on God, is doing it with full knowledge of who God is, the power of his spirit of heaven and the age to come, and is not willing and does, they don't want to come back. They don't want to. They've experienced the Holy Spirit. They know about heaven and experienced what is the age that is going to come. There is not doubt in their mind. They didn't wonder, but they knew of what it was, and yet still choose to turn their back on God. To know that, to have all that and say, I'm just done. I don't want anything to do with that. That would be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's where there is no forgiveness. And that's why they said this. They said, you know, somebody who's concerned that they have done it and worried that they have done it does not have a heart that would have done that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of a very untheological answer at the end of a very theological question, but I think we can find very clearly in Scripture of, of what it is. So I hope that helps with that question. You want to add to that? I, yeah, all I said was um, I believe it's a willful, determined, persistent stance against the work of the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're concerned about it, then. I mean, it's, it's good to make sure that we're not moving that way in the future, but if you're worried about it, then like Samuel said, your heart is not a place where it's capable of that. Okay, we got another one here. And it says this. It says, what is your church's views on speaking in tongues? And we've had several of these. Um, Ephesians 6.18 says this. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then 1 Corinthians 14.39 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid the speaking in tongues. I believe that speaking in tongues is a tool that God has given us. And the Bible says speak in tongues at all times. Pray in the Spirit. Another way of saying it. At all times and on every occasion. 
I believe that it is a gift that we can all have access to and is a super incredible, powerful tool that we should all use. Just because we have access some, to something doesn't mean we use it all the time. Um, the Bible is so strongly for it. It says don't forbid it. Don't tell people that it's not something that we do, but that it really is a tool that God has given us. And later in Scripture it says that when we pray in the Spirit, we're making an intercession that we might not know, but we're covering things that we don't even know in prayer, that our spirit is connecting to God, and it's our spirit praying and talking to God, that it builds us up when we pray in the Spirit, that it actually builds your spirit. It's kind of like food. You can build this thing. I can build this thing right here by what I eat. I know it. My kids keep making no-bake cookies. And this last time, oh, my goodness, I know I ate a dozen. I they came, were I came so home, good. and they were gone. I was, like, hoping to get one. And they were, they like, were really it was, like, a triple batch. <laughs> Where, where did I don't go? know who invented these cookie batches, but the idea that you should get 12 cookies out of a batch is just wrong. True. That's not a True. single batch. True. That's like a quarter <laughs> batch. Like, really? Like, who are they feeding? Not me. Definitely well, not know, my kids. You know, are you, were you finished with your thought there? I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's interesting when people say, I did not, I was not raised in a church that we, that spoke in tongues. I didn't think it was weird because I just, it was not even in my realm of thought. Anyhow, um, I think it's a, a bit silly when people say they don't believe in speaking in tongues because if you look at the authors of the New Testament, every single one of them spoke in tongues. And it talks, when it's talking about Pentecost, at Pentecost it says in Acts 2-4 that all of those present were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, most of the authors of the New Testament were in that room, which means they spoke in tongues. Um, I have a, a personal story. Samuel just gave this verse, but it's Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So when my second child was 12 weeks old, this is going to make me sound like a horrible parent, um, and it was Mother's Day, man. Um, when my second child was 12 weeks old, I, I laid her on the counter, and I was just going to, I was in the bathroom, and I was literally just going to quickly swipe the tub, the edge of the tub, and, and then I was just going to grab her. And I go to swipe the tub, and I hear this thud. And I remember thinking, wow, that sounded like my college biology textbook falling. Like, I remember that thought. And you know, those college biology textbooks are, are huge. I turn around, and my 12-week-old daughter is lying face down on the tile floor. She just fell 34 inches and went from her back to her face. And so growing up, my best friend had an aunt who um, had all sorts of mental complications. And the doctors told her mother that it was because she was dropped when she was a baby. And so I come from a really scientific family. And so my brain starts telling me she's going to die. She is going to be handicapped for the rest of her life. She, it, I, it just fed me a spirit of fear. And I know that I haven't been given a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And so that is the first time I spoke out loud in tongues because I needed it. My brain was not feeding me what I knew God had given me. And so I just started praying in tongues because I knew that I needed my spirit to intercede on behalf of me. 
and just, I mean, if any of you have met my Molly, she's fine. Um, Samuel actually took her to the ER, wouldn't let me go uh, because my condition, whatever. And they did all of their tests on her and everything. And their conclusion was that I was crazy, that the baby had not fallen. She did not have a single bruise. She did not have any, and like, poor scans or anything. And a, a 12-week-old baby, you wouldn't hold them this, this high above a couch and drop them on their back, you know? So, God, is, God is good. Yes, God anyhow. Is very, very good. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, just my personal experience with that has been so powerful. All right, let's go to the next one. Another great one. We've got just a few more minutes here. Uh, how do our tithes and offerings get applied? What do they get used for? Great question. Great question. Um, the, the short version of it is this. So 10% missions, and that's been since day one. And day one of the church wasn't September 16. We've been meeting and growing uh, since 2017, which is why a few weeks ago, you heard us say that we have a church have already given away over $20,000. And we had a few people that were like, wait a second, this is week like six. Where, where what? Who's, who am I sitting next to that's dropping these? What's going on? Um, it had been going on. And we raised a lot of money to be able to pay for the chairs, the sound, uh, the curtains, any and everything that you see. But the, the first thing that we do is, is missions. And we will always do 10%. We'll cut anything else we need to, but we believe that we need to honor God in that. That's not just something that we do in our lives, but we believe we need to do as a church. Uh, then we do 35% to staffing, 35% facilities, and 20% operations. That's just kind of, a, as a nutshell, what we do. Now, right now, a really great thing is we're at the school, and we love being here. It's, uh, it's rather inexpensive. Now, that could change, and we don't want to get kicked out, and we absolutely love it. So those numbers um, are pretty steady. The, the ones that don't change are, like, really our staffing. That's not going to go up above that, and our tithe, that's never going to go below that. Now, the tithe may go up, but that's kind of a, just a quick, like, uh, that's kind of what we do with it. I hope that helps, and the next one is this one. Um, let's just go to, go for it. Um, I have a question about what the Bible says about euthanasia and also how pulling the plug differs from assisted suicide. Does God want us to suffer to the bitter end, or is it okay to say it's not worth the suffering any longer? First of all, you guys, these were hard questions. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, but great questions, and that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted out of this. We didn't want fluff, fluff questions. So we really appreciate the thought that went into the questions. And all of these are, are things that can be conversation starters, too. So if you ask the question, please feel free to follow up with us and, and to dive into it more. When it comes to this one, when it comes to euthanasia, euthanasia is taking a life. Um, keeping somebody on life support is sustaining. So one, one prolongs it. So you can take somebody off life support if that's their wishes. That, and, you know, if their body can't make it, that's, that's okay. Euthanasia is taking life. And, and if we read in the scripture, I found these two, when it comes to, okay, I feel like a lot of times our world has this obsession with death being the answer. You know, if, you're, if you get pregnant and you don't want the baby, you know, if you are at the end of your life and you want to end it, death. And we have to remember that death is actually 
the enemy. When, it, when we look at the biblical model, death is the enemy. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 literally says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. So there, there will be suffering on, on the earth. It sucks. Um, but we're told to choose life. And, and God's the one that gave us breath. And God will take it when it's our time. That was great. Okay, we'll go to the next one. And the next one says this. Does it make any difference if we pray to God or Jesus? Okay, so we're going to go. There's a verse for that one. So we're going to go to John 16, 23. And this is what it says in John 16, 23. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's talking about how he is going to die and be resurrected. And he says, at that time, you will not ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. If we look at the Old Testament, like we, we took communion today because of the new covenant, the new covenant that happened in the New Testament that happened at Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, because his body was broken and his blood was spilled. Now, the old covenant wasn't good enough. If it was, I mean, this is Hebrews. If the old covenant was enough, there wouldn't have been need for a new one. But it wasn't enough, so there's a new one. And Jesus, before he died, said this. He said, this is different. You've never done this before. This isn't like what it used to be. This changes, and this is starting new from here forward. This is how you do it. And this is what it said. At that time, talking about when he's been resurrected, you won't ask me for anything. Because I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father. So we pray to God directly, and he will grant you requests because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Again, this was brand new. And there are types and shadows. The Old Testament is wonderful. It is great. We look, we see how God works. We see types and shadows of how he wanted to work. But when we want to really, you look at doctrine and how you and I are going to interact with God today, we go to the New Testament, not the Old Testament. And so, yes. So would you say that um, it's not okay to address the other parts of the Trinity? Or would you still say you can say Holy Spirit, God, Jesus? Yes, you can. And I think like this right here is a, a T or a dot on an I, really, where you look and the Bible says very clearly, Jesus says, pray to God and use my name. So God, we come before you this, and we pray to God. We also see that Jesus told his disciples, use my name. In my name, you will cast out demons. In my name, the sick will, will be healed. In my name, the dead will rise. In my name. So we use Jesus' name. There's authority that's in Jesus' name. Um, but yes, I would, I mean, that's what the Bible says, is we pray to God and we use Jesus' name. Um, our Father who is in heaven, yes, it is another word for God. You can get really, really, really 
legalistic on it, and that's not my intention in this. And please don't think, oh, that's why this didn't happen over here, and this didn't happen over here because I didn't do this. Did I say the wrong name at the wrong time? Did I say Father when I should have said God? That's, that's, not, that's, that's not it. Um, however, when you ask a question, I want to give you an answer. And there's what it is. And I think when we have knowledge, we need to use that knowledge. And when we don't have it, we don't use it. So now, if I was you, that's what the Word of God said. If I had a question, I'd look it up myself. And the Bible says about the Thessalonians that they checked what Paul, they checked the Scripture to see if what Paul had to say was true. And I hope you do the same thing. I really do. If you're like, wait a second, that whole thing you just said, I don't know about that. I like that. I really do. I hope you're not just like, well, that's what he said. Well, here we go. Let's go do it. You'd have to say it in that tone of voice. You just would. <laughs> but that you look at Scripture for yourself and you see it and you, you use Google or your cross-reference app or your, your huge software that you downloaded and kind of say, okay, well, what does this have to say? And check and be like, oh, look, this is true. And then as a result of you seeing it in Scripture, you say, okay, now what do I need to change in my life so that I can reap the fruit of this spiritually in yeah. my life? And that is a very specific question, but there's a verse for that. So that would be the answer. Is it wrong and do we get it complete? God, like, you didn't say it right. No, I don't really believe that. However, when we have an answer and it's right there in front of us, then we need, I believe that we need to walk in that. It's like, okay, God, this is what I need to do. I'm going to do it. And I want your blessing on my life. And here's the deal. God doesn't bless what we ask him to bless. I don't know if you knew that. Like, what was that question? God's blessing is on his way. When we do it his way, we get his blessing automatically. It is there. We don't get to say, well, God bless my divorce. God bless me over here. I'm about to steal this. I need your blessing. Turn the cameras off. It doesn't work. Okay? It doesn't work that way. But when we, what we do have is we have his blessing on our life when we do it his way. And so as much as we can, I want to give you the word of God, and I hope you question it, and I hope you look at it, and then I hope you say, okay, God, now I want to do this because I want your blessing in my life, and I want the fruit that comes from it in every area of my life. We're out of time here, but I want to just quickly ask a question. Before we leave, I think I would be doing an incredible disservice if I did not ask if everybody in here knew beyond a shadow of a doubt where they stand with God. So would you just quickly bow your heads and close your eyes? And I, the way I said that was very intentional. I said, I want to make sure that everybody knows where you stand with God. Because the Bible says in Romans that we can know that we have salvation, that it's not something that we have to guess or wonder or wait until we die and stand before God or God come back and look, okay, well, I get to find out. That it's not a matter of does our good outweigh our bad in some giant cosmic scale and we get to just see. But that I believe with all my heart what the Bible says is true that Jesus came and he died for your sins, that he paid the price that you and I could not pay so that we could be free, and that all we have to do is accept it. And we accept it the way the Bible says, which we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. We accept the substitute for what we did wrong. And then we get to begin to live out the plans and the purpose that God has for us. So if you're here You've never made a decision to live for God. Or if you're here and you say, you know, I made a decision, but I turned my back on God, and today I want to declare I'm going to come back, and I want to live for him starting today. I'd love the honor of praying with you. And we can pray right in your seat. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. So if that's you, if this is your first time, and you want to just give your life to Christ, 
Or you say, I want to come back and give him all that I am. I want to declare I'm his again. I'd love the honor of praying with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up. Get ready. The count of three, you're going to shoot it all the way up. None of this halfway stuff. And we're going to pray. When we say amen, you're going to know you're forgiven on your way to heaven and begin to walk out the plans and the purpose that God has for you right now. Get ready. One, two, three. All the way up. Say, that's me. All the way up. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Okay, put those hands down. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. But everybody in here, let's pray with those that lifted their hands. I want you to repeat after me. And, and those of you that lifted your hands, as you say these words, make them your own. And God is here. He's in this place. And he's going to hear you. Let's all repeat after me out loud, if you would, please. Say, oh God, thank you for sending your son to die for me, to shed his blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Devil, you lost me. And God, I'm yours. Forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give those a big hand that made that decision. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.